0: Um, you look at it from your little cubicle where you see what you, what you see. I have to look at it from a, a totally different perspective of, of everything in that big picture uh, you always hear me talking about. Uh, but I've always marveled at one thing about our church, and that is, uh, I think, the quality of the people that, that God brings to us. Now, I believe, you know, when a man starts a church, and God puts that in his heart to do a work for God, I believe that God, through the process of time... Uh, gives him the people to help him do that. I I think that that's the process that it it always goes through. I've I've been associated with churches for many, many years and and, uh, seen all kinds of them, shapes and sizes. And uh, I I believe that to be true. I believe that when a man starts a work, uh, I know it's true in the New Testament because that's what God did with Paul. He gave him the people in his world that he needed to get the job done that God had called him to do. And I firmly believe. So I don't look at people in, in churches like maybe most people look at them. Uh, I look at them as my gift from God to me to do the work that, that God wants me to do. Now, and I say that, and don't misunderstand me. This church is not by any way, shape, or form a perfect church. we got our flakes just like everybody else does. Uh, somebody said years and years ago, and it's a true statement, wherever you have light, the Word of God, you have bugs and that's true. The light draws people who you know, are not maybe serious about it, and you have to work through all that. I tell people all the time, if, if you look for a, a perfect church, you're never going to find one. If you look for a, a perfect Christian, you're never going to find one. If you look for a perfect pastor, you're never going to find one. You don't look for a perfect church. You look for a, a, a biblical church, a real church. Churches are always going to have issues, but without that, you know, you have a core people that, that I look at and think that, you know, that that's exactly what God does. He brings the people. And I look at the potential in this room. You know, I, I, I see you on Thursday night. I see you on Sunday morning. I inter, inter, interact with you throughout the week. Uh, I think the potential in this room is, is 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 incredible. And I think the great attitude that, that most of you have about learning the Word of God, it, it's really overwhelming to me because that's what a pastor wants that's what he puts his heart and soul in to teach people the Bible. And you always got people who don't care about the Bible. But when you find people who have a hunger for the Word of God, when you find people that really have a desire to learn what God's Word is, to me, that's, that's really what it's all about. And that's uh, what I, it really excites me to see that here. And as I said, you know, I look at this all around us. I look at the people that God has given us today and, and the ones that have come in, especially in the last couple of years. The quality year by year just keeps going up. Uh, but then the responsibilities that God gives us of what we do in ministry keep going up. Who'd have thought when we started our church some 10, almost 11 years ago now, that we'd have ever thought we'd be in ministry around this city where we're at and doing the things that we do. And, uh, you know, I look at it to me that the real gifts uh, for me that God has given me, uh, is are the people, the men and women, the families, the singles, the, the young couples, that uh, the older couples, the people who really uh, uh, God brings our way to help us do. They see the need, and then God sends them to help us accomplish what God wants us to do. And, you know, it's really, it, it helped me once I understood it. I gave you a a couple of simple life basic concepts that I use in life and everything that I do. And it was through that that I developed those things. And I told you, you know, you always focus on what you do have and not what you don't have. I tell myself that probably 20 times a week. Because what happens when you don't focus on what you don't have, then you start losing the blessings of what God has done for you. And I never let that happen. I have a lot of people that come through the doors, but not everybody cares about the Word of God. I have two choices, and, you know, life is choices. I can get all fretted over those and and, and spend all my energy chasing people who don't want to get caught, or you take the ones that that God gives you. And what happens is, and this happens in many churches with many pastors, they get so busy chasing people who don't want to get caught, you neglect the ones that came because they want to learn the Word of God. That'll, That'll never happen. You never focus on what you don't have. I'd love to have everybody love the Bible, but that's simply not in the cards in the day and age that we live in. I'd like to have everybody have a desire to know the Bible and love the Bible and do what God wants them to do and what he saved them for. But that's not going to happen. So you never focus on what you don't have. You focus on what God has given you. And to me, those are the gifts that God has presented to this church to me uh, to get the job done. And that, along with that, I told you, because of that, I never take people for granted. I, I never take the people that God gives me who labor with me side by side for granted. I always look at them as a special part of my life and, and this ministry. There's many of you, many of you, many of you that this work would not go on and be as, as, as successful and as fruitful as it is if it wasn't for your labors. And I know that. I, the older, you know, when I was, I told somebody the other day, you know, when I was in my 20s and my 30s, I'd go through life and Mach 5 with my hair on fire and you could get it all done. But you can't do it anymore. So God, uh, a smart pastor, or a smart leader builds people around him that can do it, uh, that takes the load off of him. And it's a two-way street. He gets the help that he needs, but he gives out the experience and everybody grows through it. And that's what makes people grow. So you never take for granted the people, uh, you know, that God has given you. And then the third thing I always talk about is you always take care of those who take care of you. And you're always, you you just make sure that, uh, you know, that uh, everybody gets something uh, that what their needs are. And, you know, it's Christmas time and we're talking about gifts. And those little kids, they all came through here. And I'm sure many of you adults, you know, you got presents wrapped under the tree and we passed out a lot of presents this year to a lot of people, made a lot of people happy. And I'm sure that when we're done today, you know, I I not that it was a not I don't I'm not gonna don't take this wrong, but after Friday night when we did the motel I kind of breathe a great sigh of relief, you know, because up to that point, all all I've been able to do is focus on doing everything for everybody else that needed to be done. And now it's, you know, everything's done, all the things been covered. Now we can all as a church just relax and enjoy our families and enjoy each other. And and we don't have nearly anything that we've got to focus on uh, before Christmas. So we can just kind of kick back and enjoy it. But, uh, you know, this message today is centered and appropriately so around gifts, because next Tuesday is Christmas, day after tomorrow, and uh, everybody's going to be opening up their presents, and uh, everybody's going to, uh, uh, you know, get what they want or get what they didn't want, or whatever the case. (laughs) You know, I've been dealing with people a long time, and i got to tell you, Christmas time, as happy as it is, and we all get excited about it, after Christmas and between Christmas and New Year's, and certainly after New Year's, when you deal with people and their problems, those are the two most depressing times of all the whole year. It's like the big letdown. It's like we're all built up to Christmas, and then it's gone. We get all the presents that are unwrapped, and a week later, they're broken, they're used, they're lost, whatever the case. And then you've got to face the drudgery of the next year, which this year is going to be a real drudgery, it looks like. And that, the reason why that happens, and I put it together many, many years ago because people get the wrong gift, there's nothing wrong with getting gifts. Trust me, I like to get them like anybody else. But at the same time, uh, I want to talk to you about uh, one gift in particular today. But I want to also talk about the gifts in, in speaking in a general sermon also. My verse today is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. Now, we've not gotten to 2 Corinthians yet. Uh, we're still in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And uh, so we're going to jump ahead in this one verse, but there'll be plenty to say about it when we get there and put it into the context of the chapter. But it's one little verse, a very simple little verse, and it just simply says this, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Now, Father, we do thank you and praise you for the Lord Jesus, and we love you today. And we thank you, Father, for all that you've given us, all that you've done for us. We thank you, Lord, for how you, your hand has been in our life this last year and the great people that you've brought in, the young Christians, that have, the young people that have gotten saved and the moms and dads that have gotten saved and, and how they've grown and how they love you and love your word. And, and, Lord, we just thank you for all of that. And we look forward today to talking about some things here that, Lord, I think will help them all. And, uh, Lord, we just trust you now to give us what we need comfort our hearts, and uh, Lord, let us know that through it all, uh, Lord, never to doubt in the darkness what God has given us in the light, and we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. For His sake we ask it, amen. You know, that phrase, uh, there's a phrase that you, uh, uh, that you hear all the time about the gift that keeps on giving. Most people don't know that that was originally, back in 1927, that was originally a marketing ploy for when the phonograph just came out. And uh, they said, "Give the gift that keeps on giving," because you can listen to all the music you want back then, and it was something that kept on going. It wasn't something that you wore and wore out and threw it away. Today, uh, you know, uh, if you watch television much, you'll find that uh, craftsman tools have picked it up, you know, and they say, "Give the gift." Their tools, you know, their hefty wrench or whatever it is, that because uh, you can use those tools forever. Uh, most people don't know that back in 2007, uh, there was a song and a music video uh, called The Gift That Keeps On Giving. Anybody know the musical group that put that out? Well, I, I wouldn't expect you to know. I thought Pat and Sonia might know it. It was right after Woodstock, and I thought maybe you could figure it out. <laughs> it, was called, it was called Super Furry Animals. Now, how would you expect somebody to know that? I mean, that's a crazy name. It was really a kind of a, an off-base, kind of a dark music video. Uh, but it was, it was called the gift that keeps on giving, or there was a song in there about the gift that keeps on giving. And, uh, uh, the story was that a spoiled child was, uh, who was very rich was opening all of his presents and, and, uh, very excited and very happy. And he got a book and, uh, because the, the book was, uh, not in his mindset as a toy of what he wanted and all the other stuff, he just looked at the book and discarded it and threw it over his shoulder. And obviously the video was based on the fact that the, out of all the gifts that he's got, the one bo- the one gift that would have kept on giving was the book that he could have read and, and through the rest of his life, you know, and, and, uh, and he did. And then it, it cut to a scene where it had a bunch of poor children that were crying because they had no presents to open. And it was kind of a weird video at the end of it. And it was let out at Christmas time, by the way. And at the end of it, it showed this kid opening up his presents, the little kids crying over here. And for whatever reason, I don't know, but Santa Claus was in front of the fireplace crucified on a cross. And it, it was a kind of a goofy thing, but that's, that's the world's rendition. And their idea of the gift that keeps on giving, see, uh, back in the 20s, it was the phonograph and today it's crap and tools. And back in 2007, it was some dark video that that said something that nobody probably ever figured out or understood. But in truth, see, and this is what I want to talk about today, the gift that keeps on giving is the one that God gave us. That's the word of God. It is a book. It's the word of God. You know, we make a lot to do uh, about uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and his birth at Christmas. And I I tell you all the time that when you look at life, the Bible, you never look at it from uh, the Christian standpoint. When you do, then you get a very slanted view and don't see the whole concept. I was going by a church the other day and on their marquee. They had a little sign there. And this church has always got the goofiest stuff on their marquee anyhow. I don't know even who thinks it up. But this one simply said, a baby changed the world. Now, when I saw that, I, I, I really went home and asked my wife if she was with child because I thought maybe God was telling me something, you know, and I wanted to make sure that that was not the case. I then called Jamie on the phone because I thought maybe that, that wasn't the case either. They were obviously talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I looked at that and I thought to myself, you know what? That's exactly the way the Christian world views Christmas, they, they think that because they look at it from a, a Christian standpoint, that the greatest day, the greatest day for us uh, in the whole world was the day that, that Jesus came uh, and was born in a manger. And we put all the emphasis on that. But you know that that's not in a Bible, doctrinal, biblical, theological approach. It's that coming as a baby in, in, in Bethlehem in the manger was only one small phase of what God was doing all through the Bible. You know that before that baby ever showed up, the Bible says that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God? Before Christ, was the Bible says the Word was manifested in the flesh. Long before that baby was born, Christ existed in the Word of God. He was there in a, in a, in, 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 as the Word. When He showed up as a baby, He was the Word incarnate. He was the Word manifested in the flesh. We get the idea that, Nothing ever happened and Christ wasn't around till he was born as a baby. You know why people, worldly people, unsaved people, a lot of God's people, you know why they their two favorite holidays are, are Christmas and, and Easter? Because they like the fact that you can control a baby. I think we had to dump Christmas and have a second coming holiday. Now you could get some things done with that. But they won't do that. They like a baby. A baby's innocent. A baby's not threatening. Boy, when you see him coming with the eyes of a a fire and coming down there in a streaming fire in Revelation chapter 19 with a sharp two-edged sword going out of his his mouth, that's a far cry from a little baby in a manger someplace. But a little baby's not threatening. A little baby, everybody likes babies. And so we like to put the emphasis on the fact that, uh, that Jesus has the baby. So we talk about a baby changed the world. No, I, I beg to differ. A baby didn't change the world. The Word of God changed the world. And there was a time when the Word was made flesh and manifested and then made the price for you and I to be saved. But the, but, the, but the Christ was here long before He was manifested as a baby. He's the eternal part of the Trinity. People get hung up on things like that. And it's a thing that John chapter 1, as I said, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled the word of life. Everybody who wrote that knew that Jesus Christ was the word of God. And when you see, when all you put the focus is on the, on the baby and the man Jesus, then what happens in time is you throw the word of God out. And that's what's happened in this country. They put more emphasis on the ban Jesus, or the baby than they do the Word of God. And truth of the matter is, you can't separate one from the other. The greatest gift God ever gave us, and a gift that certainly keeps on giving, is the book that you hold in your hand today. And there was a time in life in the Old Testament when that book manifested itself as the angel of the Lord and came down and, and talked to Moses, talked to Abraham, and visited with them. That was the Lord Jesus Christ in a pre-incarnate form as the angel of the Lord. It manifested itself there. But there was a time in history when in God's plan and God's time, he says, I'm going to manifest my word into a human man. And that's what you got. You got the book. And it's an incredible thing. It's an incredible thing. And, uh, you know, uh, once you understand that, there's a great example of this in, in the Bible in Genesis chapter 46, verse 26. And to me, it's things like this that really make the Bible special to me. Now, you know the story coming up to it. Joseph gets sold by his brethren into into Egypt. The Midianites take him down, and he winds up in Egypt. God uses the events to bring about reuniting Joseph and his brethren, and he goes through some little shenanigans there uh, before he finally reveals himself. But the big concept is, obviously... God wants to get Jacob and the 12 boys down into Egypt. Now, there's theologically some reasons for that because there was a prophecy that 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 uh, uh, Israel had to come out of Egypt before it went to the promised land. So there's some theological things here, but more than that, God wanted Israel down there to forge them into a nation. God was going to take them down there as families, but he was going to bring them out as a nation because they're down there for over 430 years. And during that time, they go from a small bundle of family members into a 2 million plus nation. And when they come out, they've been through the iron furnace of Egypt and now they are strong, they're a nation and they're ready to go. That's the story. But the picture is beautiful. When you go over there in, uh, in Genesis chapter 47, verse 26, he says, and Jacob and his sons and his daughters and their kids, they go down into Egypt. Now, in your Bible, Egypt's a picture of the world. When Jacob died, he says, don't leave my bones in Egypt. When Joseph died, he says, don't leave my bones in Egypt. They didn't want to be left in Egypt because Egypt's a type of the world in the Bible. Egypt's never good in the Bible. And when you look here in Genesis chapter 46, <clears throat> and they go down here, you see one of the most beautiful pictures in an Old Testament story, in type, of what God did to me and you and the gift that God gave us. When you go over there in Genesis chapter, uh, you go over there in Genesis chapter 46, verse 26, you know what it says? It says, then Jacob and his sons, uh, uh, Jacob and, his sons and his daughters all go down into Egypt, and the number that went down into Egypt was 66. You know what that's a picture of? That's a picture of God giving 66 books to the world. John 4 says salvation of the Jew. That's a picture right there of God giving the world its greatest gift It was the nation of Israel back then because from the nation of Israel was going to come in time the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a Jew. From the nation of Israel in time was going to come the word of God. And from the nation of Israel in time was going to come your salvation and my salvation. So when you see that story and it says 66 people go down into Egypt, that is a picture of God sending his word to the world. And we got a book 66 that God sent to the world. That's his gift. That's the gift. That's the gift. In Ephesians chapter 4, another place you want to look at. Here he talks about, and it's a great study on the gifts that he gives to the church. He says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 through 13, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. The gift of Christ. Wherefore, he saith, when he ascended up on high, Christ, he led captivity captive, here it comes, and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it, but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. Now here it comes. Here comes the gifts. Here's the gifts that he's given to the church after he gave them the gift of the word of God. And he gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man and unto a measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, here's the gifts in particular that we got after Christ rose from the dead. Uh, The first gift that God gave us was the Holy Spirit of God. That comes in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 at the day of Pentecost. At that point, God's people are now empowered by an indwelling Holy Spirit of God. That was the first gift that he gave other than his son. The first gift that he gave or comes out of his death of his son is the Holy Spirit of God you got to have the Holy Spirit of God living inside you because that's the medium between you and God that God uses to give you and teach you and me the Bible. The second gift that we got was the Word of God. Now, by 90 AD, the Word of God is complete. The book of Acts takes place about 33 AD, so you got about 60 years there for the Word of God to get totally completed and lurked out. I tell people all the time uh, and try to help them understand uh, that when, when, when Jesus Christ went back to heaven, he was the, he was the uh, eternal word of God. He was God manifested in the flesh. He was the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And when he goes back to heaven in Acts chapter 1, for, the, for it to continue on, he had to replace himself with three things. Now, these three things are very vital. The first thing he replaced himself with was the Holy Spirit of God, gift number one. The second thing he replaced himself was the concept of the local New Testament church. Because Christ was here in a body, was he not? When he died and he resurrected, his body was no longer here. So he needed a body. So you and me are the body, body of Christ. He needed a spirit. When he went back to the Father, his spirit went. So he needed a spirit. So he gave in the presence of the Holy Spirit. He put the spirit in you. He put you in his body, the church, and then the third ingredient that he gave you, you needed to have Christ's mind. How, how are you going to do what God wants you to do if he doesn't know what you want him to do? Be like me saying, I was going to say Dago, but he just steal everything out of my car. T- it's like I say, honey, I need you to do me a favor. Go out to my car and get what I need. Now, you'd go to my car and get whatever I need, but I know you, and I would say, Courtney, go out to my car and get what I need. You say, Bob, I'd love to go out your car to get what you need. What do you need? And I said, get what I need. Here, here's the keys. Get what I need. She said, well, Bob, I'd love to go do whatever you want me to get out of your car. If you need it, I want to get it for you, but you need to tell me what you need. And I said, come on, Courtney, go, go get what I need. She'll never figure out what I need for her to get out of my car until I tell her, give her what's in my mind, what I want her to do. I want you to get, I want you to get my briefcase that's out of the car. Oh, okay, gone she is. Now, that's why God had to give you the Bible as the third part, because the Bible is the mind of Christ. And when Christ went back to heaven, he replaced himself with three particular things, because those three things left. The spirit left, so he had to give you the spirit. His body left, so he had to give you uh, his body, and his mind was left so he had to give you his mind. So he gave you the Holy Spirit of God. There was his spirit. He puts you in his body, the church, the body of Christ. And then he gave you the word of God, which is the mind of Christ, Paul said. Now you know what he wants you to do. You see, this is why you have no excuse to the judgment seat of Christ. Woo! You might like to feign stupidity or ignorance, but you won't be able to. And I don't mean by that stretch of my imagination you're not stupid. But I'm just saying, it, it's, you won't be able to pretend that. So gift number one was the Holy Spirit. Gift number two was the Word of God. And now it's complete. We're complete. Then the gift number three was the apostles. And you'll find them in the early part of Acts uh, as the foundation of the church. Ephesians chapter two, verse 20 tells you they're, they're the bedrock of the church. Gift number four was the prophets. You'll find those in Acts chapter 11, verse 27. Gift number five was what they called evangelists. That would be Philip and, and, uh, and Paul. He was an evangelist. And gift number six was pastors and teachers. Now, you better be nice to me because I'm your gift. You say, well, we don't, I don't like you. I know, but it's just like, it's, you know what it is? It's like when you get a shirt that's way too big or too small. Kind of crawls up your back, doesn't it, huh? <laughs> but that's what it is, pastors and teachers. That'd be Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. And I want you to note the purpose in verse 12 perfecting the saints, working in a ministry, edifying the body of Christ. In other words, once God gives you and me the gift of salvation, and he gives you and I the gift of the Word of God, then he gave some gifts to the church. And those gifts are to help you take the gift that God gave you and make sure it's the gift that keeps on giving by giving it to somebody else. You know, the Christian life is not complicated. We like to make it complicated simply because we don't want to do what's right. The biblical concept of the gift that keeps on giving is simple. God gave us the Word of God. And then we accept it. It changes our lives forever. And the rest of our lives, we as the vessels of God, the body of God, the Spirit of God, with the mind of God in our hands and in our hearts, we give the gift that keeps on giving to other people. I'm going to show you how that works in our church in just a little bit. You know, people are my life. I, I don't know what to tell you. Helping fix the issues in their lives that are, that are broken. Uh, it's my only real passion in life, and, I, and many of you have that same passion, and many of you are very good at it, very good at it. My goal in, after January, we get into this people ministry, getting your training session, is to make you better at it. When I got saved, God, and you too, uh, God gave me that gift. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says what? It says, the wages of sin is death, but, what? The gift of God. He gave me that gift. He gave me that gift. And the reason, uh, and because of that gift that God gave me, I understand and look at you, as the continuation of that gift of God to help me accomplish all that God has called me to do, and you're the gifts that God's given me to do it. And uh, you say, "Well, you have people. You have people who don't help you. Have people who don't do anything." Well, every gift you get's not going to be a nice one. <laughs> I love my sister. I love my sister more than any brother loves a sister. My sister is the most good-hearted woman you're ever going to meet on planet Earth. She would, give, she would give you anything she had. She is the sweetest girl in the world, and I love her to death. But she buys the goofiest Christmas presents you're ever going to see on planet Earth. <laughs> My sister still sends me British sterling cologne. <laughs> British Sterling Cologne went out in 1976. <laughs> she sends me watches that don't work, doormats that I don't even have any doors. I love her, and, and I don't know if it's a personal thing or not. She sends Barb's great stuff. <laughs> she sends the girls great stuff. She's she's notched it up a couple of times in the last couple of years. And she sends me these sausage sticks now, which I can live on forever. So, I mean, and I can eat them. So it's a good deal. But I'd look at the stuff she'd give me and I'd say, I mean, I was surprised when I, you know, this guy thing. The bigger the box wrapped up, the more anticipation we have. (laughs) And I look at that thing and I'm thinking, all kinds of things go through my mind. She knows I love North Face. (laughs) She knows I love this. She knows I love that. I'm thinking, well, I got a North Face winter jacket in here that I can clown Mount Everest on. No, no. I got two coffee cups with two dog pictures on them, and I don't even have those kind of dogs. (laughs) You say, what's your point in all this? My point is simply this. Some of you look really nice wrapped up, but when you open it up, the present's disappointing. Time for a slurpee here. (laughs) Paul called them co-laborers. He says we're laborers together. He called them fellow soldiers. He called them ministers together. And you and your family, or if you're single, or if you're a young couple without kids, you are the gift of God to this church. You're the greatest gift God ever gave me, other than my family and the Word of God and my salvation. But boy, you're right up there because you understand that the gift that God gives us, we have to keep on giving. That's why we go to Restart. That's why we go to the motel. That's why we go to Wichita. That's why we do what we do, because we're simply taking the gift that God gave us, and we know it's the gift that keeps on giving, but we have to give it to somebody for it to continue on, and that's just the way it works. You know, I'm always looking for ways to help you get a better handle and a better understanding of the gift that God has given us, the Bible. I learned very early in life, and this is the difference between some of you, why you don't make it, and some of you, why you do, or why you're going to, or why some of you won't. I learned a long time ago when I was a young Christian. See, I was a lot like a lot of you. I thought the key to learning the Bible was reading the Bible, my father and the Lord read the Bible through every 33 days, so I thought that was the key. So I invoked into a program for two years of reading the Bible through every 30-some days. That's, that's 60 chapters a day. I, I must confess to you, by the end of that two years, I was pretty much messed up and screwed up. I learned a great truth out of that. You see, I thought, I thought that the more you went through the Bible, the more you'd know the Bible and the closer you'd get to the Bible. And, and I found out the hard way, which I found out most things in my life the hard way, I found out that wasn't true. I found out a great truth. It's not how many times I go through the book, but rather how many times the book goes through me. That made the difference. <clears throat> I thought early on that <clears throat> the key to learning the Bible was studying the Bible. Nobody spent more hours in the Word of God than me. And I, I loved it. I just would spend all the time in, in the world. But through the process of growing up, and, and, uh, and, and people I always hear, you can't fix stupid. Well, God can. In my case, he did, kind of. I mean, I'm not a, I don't claim to be the smartest guy in the world. My claim to fame is to be the fastest one in the slow class, but he fixed me a little bit. But I learned this great truth. The key to learning the Bible, ladies and gentlemen, is not reading it. The key to learning the Bible is not studying it. Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons read it all the time, and they don't get anywhere with it. You see, the key is not reading it, and the key is not studying it to learn it. The key to learning the Bible is loving it. And when you love it, everything else kind of takes care of itself. I love people who love the Bible. God has given us an abundance of people in this church who love the Bible. It's the greatest gift, as I said, outside of my family. It's the greatest gift that God's ever given me is the people who love the book and love God and want to know it. And I'm always looking for ways to make that better for you. Now, this unspeakable, it says, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. Now, this unspeakable gift is not that we can't talk about it. We talk about it all the time. Gene and I have some of the greatest Bible conversations you could ever have. Kevin and I, too. We, we talk about it. When you come over to my house, we have some great times in the Bible. We talk about it. So it says the unspeakable gift is not, doesn't mean we can't speak about it. That's not what he's talking about. But rather, the concept is, It's unspeakable to the aspect of how in the world and why would God give such a marvelous book to such a goofy person like me? Why would God take a book that is his mind, that is the most precious thing on this planet, that down through history, kings and nations have risen and fallen because of, that runs the course of everything in history and life, that sets the stage for every historical event, every current event today and every event in the future, and God put it all in a volume of a book That is the mind of his son, the mind of Christ, which is the mind of God. And then God put it in a book form and gave it to a guy like me. To me, that's unspeakable. I can't speak to that. I don't even know what to tell you. I don't know. I don't know. I just just don't get it. I just don't get it at all. It's unspeakable. The treasure map of life, like finding something that leads you to a million dollars in gold pirate bullion someplace, because it leads you to the treasure of this life. Now, Christmas is here, and I have a gift for all of you, but I can't give it to you at Christmas, but I am going to give it to you New Year's. This New, Year's, I've, this New Year's Eve, I, I, up to this point, I have spent probably 200 hours and I have put together something that I think in one setting will give you the Bible in a conceptual way. Hear me talk about two things all the time about the Bible, concept, context and perception, being able to perceive something in the Bible, perspective, perspective and context. I've devised, devised something that I want to do and put into your life and bring you through that in one setting will give you both of those things. It will do for many of you in one night what it would take you years to accomplish if you could ever go to accomplish it. There's value in, in getting alone and shutting out the world and just getting into a concentrated concept where you can just systematically come through the things. I put together the complete storyline of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I'm going to start, after I give you some preliminary things, I'm going to start in Genesis, and I'm going to follow that chart line, and I'm going to walk you through and tell you and lay out for you every story in the Bible. I'm going to give you every major character. I'm going to give you every major event. I'm going to give you every major timeline. I'm going to show you every key point in history that you need to know. I'm going to bring you through in such a fashion, probably going to take us three and a half hours. Uh, it, 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 when we're done with it, you are going to, have, you're going to have a layout of the Bible in a format that will simply give you the Bible, uh, and it's my gift to you. I can't think of a better gift to give you, because it's the gift that keeps on giving. And the quicker you learn it and get a handle on it and begin to understand it, the more valuable you're going to be. And it's just that simple the greatest gift that God ever gave me was an understanding of the Bible. And it's a very small percentage, probably 10%, if, not, if that much ever, maybe less than that. But boy, I'm thankful for what he did gave, give me. And if you do what I tell you to do, and you prepare the way I tell you, I, I know, if somebody's sitting there said, well, that's impossible. Well, I understand it sounds impossible. But I'm telling you right now, if you do what I say, And you prepare a few basic things before you get here. The way I tell you, you will come away that night, light years ahead of where you're at right now with the Word of God. You will almost in a glance, because of, not because I'm doing it, because of the systematic way that I'm going to lay it out. Hey, you're looking at a guy who has pride and laid out and worked through every scenario in the Bible to learn it, because I wanted to learn it. And out of all of that failures, like Thomas Edison said one time, he, says, he, said, he said he tried he it he a thousand times before he got a light bulb that worked. And somebody said, you had a thousand failures. He said, no, I just learned a thousand different ways how not to make a light bulb. I learned a thousand different ways how not to learn that Bible. But then I found a way, it's the easiest way to learn it. Because I'm a pretty stupid guy. And I had to make it real simple. And you're as stupid as I am. And I'll make it simple for you. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with being simple. Nothing wrong with being, uh, when you get educated beyond your intelligence, that's when you get into trouble. If you do what I tell you to do the way I tell you to do it, you'll come away that night light years ahead. You've heard me say, uh, I talk about all the time, the big picture of things, the big picture of the Bible. uh, They're getting the overview of the Word of God. Not looking at it from one spec, but a whole concept. Well, that's what I'm going to give you all as a gift this year. I've spent over 200 hours laying this thing out, formatting this thing, getting this thing, that everything is in the right place. And I want to give you the gift that keeps on giving. You've heard talk about context and perspective. I want it. You're going to come away with it that night. It's very important. What a way to start the new year of 2013, next year. I mean, uh, is there any party? Is there any get-together that can top that? Now, I'm sure for some of you there are. So let me just say this very carefully. You don't have to come to this. This is something that if you're just going to come and walk around out in the foyer out there, then just stay home or go someplace else. If you want to come to learn the Bible, then this is what you do. If you don't, nobody's going to get mad. I will not come up and say, where were you? I've turned over a new leaf in my life and I've got a new simple process that's in there. I don't want you here any more than you want to be here. Works for me, works for you. I'm tired trying to chase people that don't want to get caught. I'm trying to play in a little game. Hey, you know what? I'm going to focus on those who want to learn the Bible. I want to help those no matter how frail you think you are with it. Some of you in here, you're in the best shape you can because you think you can't do it. That's exactly the state of mind you need to be in. I know some of you out here already thinking, you already know it, so you don't need to be here. You're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. I couldn't agree with you more. You know it all. You don't need to be here. Know it all need not apply. I mean, it's, that's the way it is. I'm just trying to give everybody, I'm being honest with everybody. I'm just trying to give you your out. I don't want you to have to, I don't want to have to come up and say, where were you Thursday night? Oh, I, uh, I was sick. Yeah, you drank too much that night. You were. It's a half-truth. You went to a party, got drunk, and you were sick. Yeah, I understand. I, I don't want to have to put you in that position because I don't care anymore. You want to be here, be here. If you don't want to be here, hey, have a great time. Happy New Year's and enjoy yourself. I have no problem with it. I have no problem with it. But I know that many of you, some of you, you want to learn that book and you want the gift that keeps on giving. And I'm, 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 that's where we're at. And I don't want anybody to feel any pressure whatsoever about being here that night. Absolutely. And you don't even have to tell me why I don't care. I will come in, take what I have, and we will go to work on it, and I'll give you my gift. Now, here's what I want you to do, getting prepared for that night. need to listen to this. I want everybody to get them a spiral notebook just like this. You can't afford one? Let me know. Bob Gregg will buy you one. <laughs> 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 he would, too. Get your, get your spiral notebook, just like this. And I want you to leave the first eight pages blank, because I'm going to give you some preliminary stuff that night that you have to have before we get into the thing. Then on the ninth page, for those of you who are, are physically impaired, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Just go twice on one hand and leave out the last finger. That's nine. Okay? On the ninth page, I want you to at each top of that page, I want you to put section one and then the other page, section two. Now, if you're real indicative and you really want to do something, you can also just put section one for two pages. You can use, but I gotta have every page section one and section two. If you want to make one one, that's fine. If you want to make it all one big section one and section two and use both pages, I would suggest that because you have lots of room. But that's what, that's what you need to do. Uh, that's, how, that's how you got to handle this thing. Uh, each page at the top of the margin, you will write a heading, section 1, section 2, section 3, section 4. You're going to go up all the way to 27 sections, section 27. In other words, I've broken the Bible down into storyline into 27 sections. Here's how we're going to do it. In my telling the story of the Bible, once I give you the preliminary, I will tell you, all right, all right, section one, and I'll give you the heading of section one, creation. Section two will be the reconstruction of the creation. You'll put that title and that heading after section one and section two. I'll come back as I tell that, but we'll, as, you, as you do it as I do it, I'll tell you what it is, you write it down. I'll give you the heading for each section that is part of the Bible breakdown. And then you'll write under the main heading of each one, everything that I tell you as the story unfolds. You'll put the people, you'll put the places. Now, obviously, this is going to be something that you're going to have to, uh, I'll tell you right now, I got, I got 27 sections to do in less than four hours. So I've got to move. So you're not going to be able to write as fast as I'm going to be able to speak, but that's Okay. I just want you to get the section down, the foings down, and get some concepts down. Once you go back and get the tape and you start coming through, then you can go back and put everything under those sections that I said and the way you get it laid out. What you're going to do is get the basics down. You're going to take the tape and go back and put all of your material under each section with the diagrams that I'll give you. And I'll have diagrams I'm going to pass out for you that night. When you're finished, you will have a complete commentary of the complete Bible. You'll have every event, every character, every storyline, its major storyline, everything broken out in the right order, the way it goes with the right timeline. You'll understand everything, how it breaks down and how it lays down, that is of major importance. You'll have the major characters, the events, the places exactly in the right order from Genesis to Revelation. You'll be able to go back at some point once you get it done and use it as a brief to overview your Bible. You'll be able to go back and read through it in an hour and have everything stay fresh and consistent in your mind about that book and how it lays itself out. That's really the key. You want to come to the place where the Bible becomes pretty much, as far as the storyline, total recall. That when I talk about something in 2 Samuel, 1 Chronicles, right now you have no clue. At the end of New Year's Eve, you're going to have everything in your fingertips to know that thing, every concept, every major event, in one setting if you do what you're supposed to do. And that's how it'll work. Once you get past that, if you need some older people to help you put it all together and and show you how to do it, then we'll do that. But then what you're going to have is the rest of your life, you develop you a commentary, you see. You continue to add to it on Sunday and Thursday night. You get more little pieces. You keep this thing. It's not a one-time thing. You're building into it, and pretty soon you have the whole Bible in a notebook, in a running commentary that is your basis for staying fresh with the Word of God. Mayans in my Bible... And at some point in your life, you're going to have to put yours in your Bible. My Bible runs uh, probably 300,000 notes and references with every major event laid out, detailed out on the blank ends on each end of it. It's everything I need and answer any question anybody asks me. At some point, you're going to have to do that too, but not now. Right now, you do this. You do what I'm telling you to do the way I'm telling you to do it, and you'll walk out of here that night light years. I say light years ahead of where you're at. You have the potential in one setting to get everything you need to take it and to understand that Bible and break it down. And if you need help afterwards, I'll help you. We'll get people to help you. There is no reason why you can't get this thing at one setting. No matter if you just got saved yesterday, the way I've got it laid out. And that's why we have to do it this way. When you're finished, you'll have a complete deal. And, this is, and you do, all, uh, you, you do that uh, in, in time as you, as you learn how to start and put it all together. Then you transfer it over to your Bible. The gift that keeps on giving. God gave me the Bible. My job is to find ways to give it to you. And I know that I don't want it to take, it took me 20 years to figure it out. I don't want it to take you 20 years to figure it out. I don't think we have 20 years to take to figure it out. I want you to figure it out as fast as you can because we got a job to do. And the job requires you having that mind of God, mind of Christ. So it's my gift to you. And we'll take the time to lay it out that night. Our church has come to the point where the opportunities are all around us. Uh, I I told you, you know, uh, everything we do, we find God giving us people to help and fix. I don't think once we start our people ministry, we'll have any shortage of people that need help and we can work with no matter on what level it is. I told you last week when we went down to restart, before we went down, I pulled Zach's team off uh, because Zach works with all the high school kids. And I pulled his team off the street and I said, I want you to come down there and bring inside because um, there's going to be a lot of teenagers down there that are coming to help. And I want them to tie you to tie in and get to know them and get our kids tied in with it. And I told you that from the, from the pulpit last week. We got, uh, Eve's not here today, but we got Jamie and, uh, Eve and, and Debbie, who Debbie just got saved a, a couple of months ago. And, and Debbie, I want to tell you, I'm so proud of you and your, and your daughter over there and, and my buddy right there. I just love you guys to death. But you guys have really got a little mission field out there. And they had uh, the whole salon, all of the ladies, to the owner, to all of the people that came down, uh, they came down to help. They took on, Jamie, how many kids did they take? 26, 26 kids that they took and bought presents for. They, the, the owner. And none of these people are, are, are Christians, to my knowledge. And they wanted to come down and they wanted to be a part. And they were over there. And, and, uh, and they said, we're bringing our teenagers down because we want them to see that. Well, what an opportunity. And so I got our teenagers and our leadership in with those kids. And I told you what would happen. I told you what would happen. One of the women afterwards, she said, boy, I really like your teenagers. And that Zach guy, he's really a neat guy. He says, I'm having some problems with my kid. Do you think Zach would spend some time helping him? We all went to see the movie last night, Jack Preacher, great preacher. Won the world to Christ in no time. Got a unique soul winning ministry. Get saved or I'll kill you. And I love like it. We had what, five or six young men out that night, last night. Had a couple that came out the first time. Joe and Christina, where you at? A year ago, almost the same time you lost your little baby. They lost their baby. And they came down there. And they're going to a church of no hope and new hope and and a church of nowhere from no beginning. (laughs) And when they found out we had volleyball, they said, oh, we'd love to play volleyball. That's just what we're looking for. They're all around us. God brings people in. You don't just look at them as, oh, we got people to play volleyball. Oh, we got people here to do this. You look at them that God puts people in our world that you guys can have an impact on. That you guys can, just by being there and seeing the situation, reading the situation, lending yourself to God to do what needs to be done. The opportunities are all around us. They really are. I know many of you are saved and moving through it and everybody has the opportunity to step up to the next level here. I mean, if you've just been saved a short time, you have the opportunity now, if you really want to, if that's really your desire to blow through the sound barrier and boy, be up on the next level and get everything you need. If you, if that's what you want, if you want to be, if you want to recognize that God gave you a gift and now you take that gift and you give to others. At the end of the day, it's what I've said over and over again. It's building people. It's building leaders. Leaders get things done. Leaders stand apart from people who don't want to get things done. In World War II, if you watch many World War II movies, Sometimes you'll notice on the back of the helmets of the officers, they'll have a little white bar that goes up like this on the back of their helmets. The NCOs have one that goes this way. Most people see that and don't even know what it is. That that bar was put on there that the men in the companies would always know where their leaders were. It came to be known as a follow-me bar. But the thing I always thought was interesting about it is they didn't put it on the front. They didn't put it on the side. They put it on the back because officers and leaders are always at the front of the battle, not at the back of the battle. They didn't have to put it on the front so somebody could look and see, oh, there's an officer. They put it on the back so they could see that the officer was out front, hence the term follow me bar. Leaders are out front. Leaders are out front. Leaders lead. And leaders lead from the front, not from the back, not from the middle. And I'll tell you what, you can't ever have too many leaders because there's always something that needs leadership. I I wanted to say publicly, and I waited till this end here, Jimmy and Pam. I, I, they, they have stepped up in this very difficult time as the leaders that they always were. They've been with me for 30-some years. And they, in an incredibly tough situation, not just Jimmy, but Pam, stood the ground and did what needed to be done. Uh, that's what leadership is. I gave you a while back the four or five principal concepts of leadership. And I use them as a criteria in in, in, in people, in my ministry. We have a lot of military guys that are, are post-military guys. Some are still in the military. And I always like military-minded guys because they're, they're usually very self-disciplined and they're usually a cut above the rest just because of some of the things that they've been through. I always covet to get those kind of guys. Police officers, too. Anybody. Nurses, too, really, because they, they all deal. But a leader, a leader does what needs to be done when nobody else is willing to do it. That's what a leader is. That's what you ought to aspire to get to. And the only way you get that is to get the gift that God gave you, get it into your heart and start giving it back out to others. A leader do what needs to be done when nobody else wants to. A leader goes into situations when everybody else is running from it. Nothing more terrible than this tragic thing with Jeff and, or or with Jan and uh, Cheryl and Damien. And when everybody else falls apart, when everybody else can't function, leaders function. Leaders take charge in situations and lead the way when nobody else will. Or in some cases, they can't. But leaders do. Leaders are always known by that follow-me bar on the back of their helmet, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how scared you get, no matter how hopeless it work, In the military, you're taught to trust your officers. And you can be as scared as you know how to be, but if you got a good commanding officer and you got trust and faith in him, there's a real sense of comfort when the whole world comes around you and starts calling down and you look in front and you see a guy with a follow me bar on the back. In the Old Testament, no people on the planet of earth was more indicative of the good leadership or the bad leadership that they had than the nation of Israel. When you gave them a good leader like Moses, they were at the top of the pinnacle. When you gave them a bad leader like Saul, they were at the bottom of the pile. And in the New Testament, the church is the same way. God's people have always been dependent on good leadership. Good leadership is what makes churches get the job done. A good pastor sees the vision realizes he can't do it on his own and understands that the people God gives him are the gifts to him to get it done. They're not his, the Lord over. They're not him to, him to rail on or beat up. They're for him to get the job done and they're a gift to him. But we ultimately take that ultimate gift that God gave us and we, the gift that keeps on giving and we keep giving it out. We keep giving it out. Leaders take a stand on right issues when nobody else will. They'll stand alone. We kind of bumped into, by, by God's grace, Friday night after the motel deal, we went over to Cracker Neck and, and we had no idea that Jimmy Cracker Barrel. Don't <laughs> <laughs> call me a cracker. <laughs> Cracker Neck, Cracker Barrel, I don't care what his name is. You know what I'm talking about. The place where you got the big barrels and the rocking chairs out front. <laughs> we ran into Jim and Pam there. Brandon and Katie was friends from St. Louis, and they stopped and got somebody. eat. had no idea we were there, and we just overwhelmed the place. You guys saw it. The, the people are saying, well, will get you some seats. We had like 25 people. When we saw them there, we didn't care who gave a seat. We just took the whole room over. We just all went in and sat down with them. She said to me, she pulled me aside, and she said this. I know you got to say some things that are going to be some really hard things to say. And she says, I want you to know, you do right and you say what needs to be said. That's leadership. That's leadership. Leaders take a stand on right issues when nobody else will. And sometimes, as a leader, you stand alone. But you stand And the last thing is leaders say what needs to be said when nobody else has the courage to say it. Whether it's your family, whether it's your friends. That's leadership. And the only way you get to the place in your life to do that is to build your life into that book. Recognize it as the gift that God gave you. And that's my gift to you. You're my gift. And I want to give back to you what God gave me, that you can take it and keep on giving. And I want to take one night for those that want to come. And I want to get you broken down and get you laid out and give you everything that you need in one night that you can jump three levels, no matter where you're at. Because learning the Bible is not about our time. Learning the Bible is about how much you love that book. And then let God give it to you the way that he does. That's how it works. That's how it works. So, next week, starting after this, I'm done here in a minute. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your time with them. Open up your presents, get your gifts. Enjoy your friends. Come Friday, we'll do what we all do. We'll band together and we'll bury our dead. And we'll do honorably what God has called us to do. We'll pull together as a family and grieve our losses and go to the Word of God for the answers. Then you get prepared for my gift to you next year. Every year our church goes up a higher level. We're going up two levels this year, maybe three for some of you. And uh, we'll get ready to come that night and to get everything that God wants you to have. I, I put sign-up sheets out there on the information aspect at table where you can sign up out there and. Uh,